You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. About 720 to 729, select styles only. This is Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe, and from Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Gary Holt. Joining me in beautiful Santa Clarita, California, is our co-host, Bobby Jean Bell. Good morning, Bobby. Good morning, Gary. Have you got your coffee? I have my coffee. I have my extra mug of coffee. My thermos is sitting here, so we're ready for some (laughs) fun, fun today on the show. And uh, how about you? You have your latte? I do. I have with a little whipped cream in there this morning, you know, just a little something extra special. <laughs> oh, God. Well, back here in Tennessee, we drink ours black, and in, and in California, you have your latte with your little cream. So that's a little difference. A little difference. Hey, how's the, how's the smoke out there? Last week, the, uh, the fires were raging. How's the, how are the fire situation? Well, you know, thank you for asking. Um, the fire is pretty much now contained. It, it has moved into the Los Angeles uh, National Forest, um, and so it's not threatening. I don't believe it's threatening homes anymore. We still have residual of smoky skies, which give us beautiful sunsets, um, and a little ash here and there. And, of course, it's a reminder that this is fire season, so... Uh, who knows what? Who knows what lies ahead? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's uh, the but, fire uh, season got started early uh, across the country, and it will it will run for a few months. So, uh, grateful things have calmed down and been contained out where you are, and uh, we'll keep everybody in our prayers um, throughout the West as we go through the rest of this fire season, because because it can get really, really rough. And, uh, mm-hmm. of course, back here in the east, we just have tornadoes and floods. So Well, we've all got something. <laughs> we, all have, we all have something. We all have something. We do. Hey, tell us who our guest is today. Oh, I am so excited. Today we have Jack Hanna of the Sons of the San Joaquin with us, and he's oh, this is so terrific that we're having a chance to chat with Jack. Well, we're looking forward to talking with Jack. You know, Jack was on uh, Blessed Trails with Belinda about a, a month ago, and uh, and we visited both with Jack and then later on with Joe and with Lon. And uh, I, I told Belinda, I said, we've run the tables. We've had all three <laughs> of the sons of the San Joaquin on. And, uh, and Jack has uh, some interesting information and uh, was so much fun that I wanted to have him on the Campfire Cafe. So we're happy to have Jack with us today, mm-hmm. and we're looking forward to talking with him in just a minute. But we do want to remind folks about our great sponsors and thank them for, our, for their support. And those are the sponsors that you'll find on our website in the general store where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle and buy our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches for the finest riding destinations in North America. Be sure and check out our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches. And then uh, brand new sponsors are the ones that you'll find in our equestrian properties. 
So if you're looking for a home on the range or any type of horse property, ranch, farm, uh, equestrian center, be sure and check with the sponsors there. And there are, you'll find all of those fine sponsors on our website at equestrianlegacy.net. So I'm excited. We've got some great music. We're going to have some great conversation during the first hour with Jack Hanna. And then Bobby coming up in the second hour with Saddle Up America. Jim McGarvey with Backcountry Horsemen of America, the executive director there, will be joining us. And he has a special guest, uh, Tom Thomas, who is the president of the Backcountry Horsemen chapter in North Carolina, is going to be joining us. So we've got a packed couple of hours coming up, and we invite everybody to be sure and stay with us. Right now, grab a big cup of coffee, take a deep seat in the saddle. And when we come back, we're going to be talking with Jack Hanna. You're listening to the Campfire Cafe on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net. Timber! Timber! Over mountain high and the canyon wide, let me roll and ride, ride through timber. When the day is through, by the campfire's gleam, let me lie and dream, dream of timber. Tall timbers call and timber, let the echoes ring. Oral nature sings a song along the timber. Sons of the San Joaquin, and uh, Bobby, you have an introduction for our guest? Bobby? I believe we lost Bobby. Bobby, are you there? Were you looking for your introduction? (laughs) No, I'm so sorry. I was on my regular phone and somehow lost you, so I've called back on my cell. So sorry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Live radio. Uh, Is it time? Is it time? Yeah, go right ahead. Introduce introduce okay. our guest. Okay. 
We are delighted to speak with today's guest, Jack Hanna, of the multiple award-winning Western music trio, the Sons of the San Joaquin. Jack, along with his younger brother, Joe, and nephew, Lon, have been performing their original and classic Western music since 1989. Their unique harmony, strong songwriting skills, and engaging live performances have captured the hearts of sold-out crowds and brought them rave reviews. Their talent has been recognized within the music industry, and here are just a few of their many awards. The Western Music Association named them Traditional Duo Group of the Year eight times, Traditional Album of the Year twice, Songwriter of the Year six times, and Song of the Year three times. And the prestigious Western Heritage Museum Cowboy Hall of Fame Wrangler Award was awarded to them four times. The Sons of the Sun Joaquin have their own tile on the Walk of Western Stars right here in Old Town New Hall, home of the Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival. No stranger to television, they have appeared on shows like the Grand Old Opry, Austin City Limits, and Nashville Now. There is so much to say about the Sons, and especially Jack. My husband, Jim, and I have seen them in concert many times. Our first time, the most memorable, was back in the early 90s at the Autry Museum. And at every Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival, 20-plus years, the author of two children's books, we were honored to have Jack participate in our very first Buckaroo Bookshop at the festival in 2009. Jack's songwriting gift is remarkable. He is often referred to as the modern-day Bob Nolan or Tim Spencer, those iconic songwriters for the Sons of the Pioneers. And their newest CD continues their tradition of presenting the best of original and classic Western music. In fact, Western poet Waddy Mitchell has this to say about the new CD, A Cowboy Song. Their sound has become what all Western harmony groups strive for. There is nothing not to love about this album. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe an extremely gifted coach, teacher, author, horseman, songwriter, performer, and a man who recently said in an interview with Belinda Gale, I'm consumed by doing things for others that have a need. Jack Hanna. Thank you, Bobby. Thank you very much. What a wonderful introduction that was. <laughs> oh, hey, what a Jack. pleasure to have you with us. And you too, Gary. It's great to be here. I'm very Good glad to have you. I get to speak to your audience and to you too, both of you. I'm so thankful for what you do. Well, thank you, sir. And and uh it's so much so much fun talking with you both uh during Belinda's show and and uh and this past week and our audience is in for a real treat. Uh to get to learn more about you and, and to enjoy this amazing music. It's absolutely great, great music. So, hey, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Jack, a little bit, real briefly, about where you where you're from and uh, uh, how you ended up doing what you're doing. Where I'm from is uh, it started back in 1933. I'm from Missouri, uh, near near Springfield, about 25 or 28 miles uh, east of Springfield, right on the right on the 66 there, the old 66. I was born in the Ozarks. My mother delivered me, by the way. I don't know if you want me to get that in. My mother that was, delivered me. There that's was no that's a great story. Yeah, that I was, was a, I was a preemie. 
I was born uh, two months too soon. Mama didn't even know I was coming. In fact, when I was asked her one day what it was what it was like, and she said, "Well, I just I just was doing housework, and all of a sudden I had this pain, and 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 she said, and here's what Mama said: burp, and there you were. And she said, I caught you, I caught you, I caught you coming out, Jack, Jackie. That's what she always called me, Jackie. That's my that's my real name. And uh, I was standing there holding you, and my aunt Alpha walked in because she wanted to come over and see how Mama was doing, and she went and got a sewing scissors and cut the umbilical cord. Wow. My aunt wow. Alpha wow. did that. So that was, that's how I got started. And then uh, my dad and mother, uh, you know, uh, had a subsistence farm, had about eight cows, and uh, dad had a job uh, also grading roads with the team, his, his, his team of horses, and uh, he lost everything during the Depression, uh, you know, that happened mm. that that uh, commenced in 29, but it, it, it lingered on for several years, and Dad lost everything, sold his cows for eight bucks, uh, came to California by himself and with some other men, and they pooled their, their assets and <laughs> came to California, worked in the fields, and Dad made enough money in about a year to put the money in an envelope, general delivery, and sent the money to Mama, and she bought an old car and drove us boys to California, three of us, wow. Bob, Joe, and Jack. Bob, wow. the oldest, Joe's next, I'm the baby. Wow. That's how wow. I got to that, California. My first home was is, a migrant camp. I mean, that, that ought to be interesting to the people. That was my first home, was a migrant camp. And, wow. Uh, we lived there for about two weeks, and Dad got a got a permanent job working on a ranch out in the near the foothills in uh, California, near, uh, well, I guess, a place called Wood Lake, uh, out in the, where there are a lot of rattlesnakes and wangdoodles and uh, bobcats and everything. That's where I was raised, uh, in, uh, near the some of the big cattle ranches in California at that time. People, uh, people don't usually equate California with cattle ranches, but there still are big cattle, there still are big cattle ranches in California, and where I was, where I was raised, uh, was the embryo of all that I have done as a, as a. Uh, well, I call myself a recreational cowboy because I'm. I don't make my living doing it. I just help uh, ranchers do day work. Uh, I, I I rope the calves, brand them, castrate them, do everything they have to do, process them. I've done that for many many years, and but I don't make my living at it. So I don't tell people that I'm a cowboy. Uh, because I think you 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 need to. That's what you do for a living. Then you call yourself a cowboy. I'm a horseman, yeah. and uh, yeah. I've had horses for many many years, and it's been a lifestyle for me. Yeah, and I like I like the way that you explain that. A lot of times we'll we'll call well cowboy. How are you doing today? They're not cowboys. They, no, they're not. You know. And you know what? Here's look, Gary. When you do that, and the cowboy knows you're not a cowboy, that's very insulting, and mm-hmm. uh, it. It's you know, and so I've always been very, very careful about that. That I make sure people know that I'm a recreational cowboy. I don't make my living doing it, and uh, and so I don't think it's right to do that because that's a very, that that profession is a is a very specialized. <laughs> it's a specialized mm-hmm. career, my friend. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Alexis de Tocqueville said when he came here in the 1870s. From France, and he did a he did a critique uh, on uh, American life, and he said the most specialized the most specialized men that he met in in the United States 
or the Cowboys. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Alexis de Tocqueville. I have the books right here in my library, so I don't I don't have to worry about uh, references. Yeah, yeah. That's, right. I can, yeah. I can back up what famous, I say. He's famous for what he wrote, and I had not heard that quote before. How fascinating. <laughs> yeah. That, that would surprise some people, wouldn't it? That would surprise yeah. some people. To hear that statement. Yeah. Well, talking about uh, recreational cowboys and cowboys, we're going to go to a song real quick, and this is one called The Great American Cowboy. Let's take a listen to that, and we're going to come back and talk more with Jack because I want to get in. I'll tell you why I wrote that song. I'll tell you why well, I wrote that song. Well, tell us now. Oh, now? Okay. Yeah. yeah I took, uh, uh, I took uh, four teachers, five teachers, to Elko, Nevada, and the high school where I taught. Uh, the the uh, superintendent gave me four thousand dollars, and he says, "Jack, go over there and have a good time and have take the best, the top English teachers in the school system." So I took them, and I they bought six, three or four thousand dollars worth of material, brought it back to the school, and developed a, a cowboy poetry unit in the, one of the top ten schools in the nation. That's where I was. Wow! And they said we need a preamble for this unit, mm-hmm. and so I wrote. From whence came the cowboy, the history is plain. He rode out of Europe on a frigate from Spain. And I went on in that and explained it. It's a lot longer than the song, of course. Then one day I was driving out to to, uh, saddle up, and I was in my Ford diesel, and I was saying that poem, and all of a sudden, which usually happens, uh, here come the melody. From whence came the cowboy, the history is plain. He rode out of Europe on a frigate from Spain. You know, it goes like mm-hmm. that. And right. uh, I wrote that whole I write When I write songs, I'm not bragging. When I write songs, I write them all at once. They don't, I don't write them. I don't write a, a verse tomorrow and a verse the next day and, a, and one three weeks from now. I wrote every, I write, every song I write instantly. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And you said, I think you said the other day, usually the, the lyrics and the melody come all together, too. At the same time. That was yeah. one that did, because I told they told me they wanted a preamble, and so I wrote it in, in poetic form, but it was not a song. That one and one other song I wrote was called uh, 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 something, you see, Pale Moon Over the Bedground. I, I wrote the, uh, on the piano. I wrote the melody first on the piano, and then uh, I don't know when it was, but in, in a day or two, the, the words came. But those are the only two songs that I've ever written that didn't come. The melody and the words didn't come at the same time. Wow, that now, is amazing. Jack, Jack the, um, the Great American Cowboy, which I think is the one Gary's got queued up, that was uh, a similarly came to you after a conversation with Waddy, right? That's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the Great, Great American Cowboy. That was the, the, yeah, from which came the cowboy was the one I wrote for the English unit. But uh, right. Great American Cowboy was the one when I was talking to Waddy. I don't, I met him the first year in Elko when we did, I hadn't written any songs. And we sang all Pioneer, Sons of Pioneers music. And, and uh, Waddy called me up uh, just about a month before we got, was going the second year. And I said, Waddy, what are you doing? He says, well, what does any cowboy do when it's 55 below zero? And I says, well, I, I don't know. And he says, well, it's up at the crack of dawn putting those big boots on, pulling calves in the snow. And he told me all of this stuff. And we and I said, gee whiz, 55 below zero. It hardly is ever 55 in California, period. <laughs> and, and, you know, 
And so I, we hung up, and I was walking down the hallway in my house, and all of a sudden, from you know, well, he's up at the crack. And that opened the, and that no opened the door. So that on. was actually the first original song that you did. That was the that first one. one. That was the first. Oh that was the first gosh. of the Western songs like that that I've ever written. I've written a lot of. I've written a lot of songs, but not cowboy songs. I didn't figure we needed any. We had thousands and thousands of great songs by Spencer and Nolan and and Stan Jones and others. Uh, and so I never felt like it was even necessary. But that one came because I couldn't help it. It just came, and I wrote that mm-hmm. song all at once, all every verse in it. And you know what? I tell you what, I don't have to worry about it after I've written it. It doesn't, uh-huh. it doesn't, it doesn't go away. It sticks in my head. So that I don't have to amazing. write it down. I don't have to write it in a piece of paper. I don't have to That's do that. That's crazy. It just well, let's take a listen to it. To like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's take a listen to Great American Cowboy, and we're going to come back and talk more with Jack in just a moment. You're listening to Equestrian Legacy Radio's Campfire Cafe. He's up at the crack of dawn, putting those big boots on, rolling those calves in the snow has left him tired. There's tension in the air as he thinks of the critters out there. The grazing's gone, the winter has hit him hard. Cowboy, great American cowboy, big high boots, Stetson hat, and a leather vest. American cowboy With a horse and a rope And a gun he tamed the west Well he's up at the crack of dawn Putting those bullies on The wind's so cold The tears are running down his back The cattle ranges froze And every little dog he knows He's an angel of mercy Mounted on a horse's American cowboy, big high boots, Stetson hat, and a leather vest. Cowboy, great American cowboy, with a horse and a rope and a gun, he tamed the west. Well, he's up at the crack of dawn, cinching that saddle on, storming hard and things are looking mighty grim. Cause he knows every critter's life depends on him Cowboy, great American cowboy Big high boots, Stetson hat and a leather vest Cowboy, great American cowboy With a horse and a rope and a gun he tamed the west Well he's up at the crack of dawn that bacon on Winter is past and the skies are clear and blue There's springtime everywhere And the dokies are a pollocking there And he's thanking the Lord once more for seeing them through Cowboy, great American cowboy Big high boots, Stetson hat and a leather Horse and a rope and a gun 
as I watched, and I watched these uh, special needs boys and girls and adults respond to the therapy and to see how crucial the horse was and how important it was to have therapists involved that understand the human mind and understand the maladies that we're facing when you have when you have mental problems etc and at you know and uh, and so uh, I says to myself no I didn't say to myself I walked up to him after the third time and I said uh, Mr. Adams I'm going to be on your board now, he didn't know me other than he saw me wandering around and I introduced myself to him and all this kind of stuff but uh, as a result of my raise being raised in this area he knew who I was and mm-hmm. uh, he and but and so he said uh, well I'd love to have you and so I have I have uh, been on that board now for 4 years that was uh, that was when I was uh, I was 80 I was 78 at that time I'm 80 almost 83 now and so I've been on that I've been on that board since then and I have been involved uh, up to my elbow up to my ears in this ministry I call it a ministry because it not only meets the needs of the clients the the special needs people it meets the needs of their parents and yeah. their grandparents and you know sometimes you know Gary I hate to say this but in many cases in some of the cases we'll say many in some of the cases the the father's not involved he he didn't, yeah. want, he didn't want to be involved he's gone right 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 he, he didn't right. want that challenge he, you know and here's the yeah. mother and and then sometimes it's the grandmother and so you know we're, we're we're not only meeting the needs of the of the special needs child or adult we're meeting the needs of their of their uh, mother and dad or grandmother right. and so it just becomes it becomes so crucial and then it's not the fact that we're just busy it's what you see happen let me give you can i give you a case real quick yeah please do one case please do. Yeah. Uh, a little boy was in this wheelchair. I thought he was probably about eight and twelve years, eight or nine years old. He was twelve, and uh, as a result, he he had drowned as a baby. And so wow. they brought him back to life. They brought him back to life, and he had a lesion on his brain, of course, because of it. And uh, he never walked, and so he never crawled. So his hips never formed. His hips never formed, and so there he was the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Okay, mm. so they bring him out. And this, I've got to tell this real fast. They, we put him on a horse. His hips come together. His mm. therapist, who's been working with him all these years, couldn't get that to happen. Put him on the horse. His hips come together, and so now, now it didn't happen the next day. Three years later, right. three years later, he ran in his first Special Olympics. Oh, oh wow! Oh my gosh! Now, now let me tell you something. If that won't make your mother cry for joy, if that won't lift your spirits to help you see how the horse therapy is effective, and that's just one case. We put 200 sessions a month in our horses and uh, on our horses, and the only reason why we only put two, we only we can only put 200 on there is because we only have one what we call a qualified therapist. Guy, guy, I'm gracious. But we're developing another. We're developing another one who's getting her degree, and she's a wonderful lady, and she built. She volunteers. She's a young lady, so we got 
some great things to looking forward to have her become come out there so we can put 400 sessions a month with our horses and uh, you know we and we also now are developing a veterans home uh, Gallo Wine has given us a mansion which had deteriorated and now it's being refurbished by people in the community professional people in the community are coming to our aid they're refurbishing and uh, that that mansion and we're going to put 10 soldiers in there with therapists already committed i know i'm talking awfully loud but i can't help it that's Uh, all right you know we will have therapists we right there on the on the uh premises and horses and equestrian activity for the soldiers we've already had tremendous success with the soldiers bobby and 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 gary and so we know what we know what to look for in the future so it, it's so big, it is so awesome that the community has has just bought it, and the, and this, this you know Fresno's five hundred and and ten thousand, five hundred ten thousand people. Clovis is a hundred and it's a hundred and forty thousand or more, and so and they're they're adjacent. You can't tell when you go out of one right. to another, and so right. there's a lot of people right here in the Central Valley, and and, uh, and so we have clients that come from. 30 and 40 miles away, believe it or not, uh, just for the therapy that they receive from the Heart of the Horse Therapy Ranch. And, and we, have to, we have two or three colleges close here, and we've got these wonderful uh, volunteers that come out who are horse people. They know how to behave around the horse, and, and uh, we, have to, we have to schedule them. We have so many volunteers that want to help us. So it's not, it's not the Jack? Did we lose Jack? <clears throat> Did we lose Jack? <laughs> I think I think we've lost Jack for just a minute. Um, we'll give him a second to see if he gets reconnected on here. Anyway, it, you can tell he's excited about what's going on with the Heart of the Horse Therapy Ranch. And uh, we're going to go to a quick song and take a listen to one called silver spurs and we'll see if we can get jack back on the line again he may he may have gone uh like you did a minute bobby joe so let's take a <laughs> listen to silver spurs we'll come back and talk more with jack cannon in just a moment and find out more about the heart of the horse therapy ranch as well uh you're listening to equestrian legacy radio's campfire cafe heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net I was a young boy at night in the winter back home. Mother would take from the mantle a picture she owned of a handsome young cowboy and her on their wedding day. And the spurs on his heels that he wore when he rode away. And she'd sing rounds that ring like bells in the night. Silver spurs flashing in the Utah moonlight. Hoofbeats that echo out over the hills. Songs in the stars and a memory that thrills my heart, my heart, my heart. Like the ring of his spurs. I grew and I loved those wild horses then drifted away. Out on the road alone, living the rodeo way. 
circle on a pine ball in Lander last spring. Just a floating and a hearing that old song my mother would sing. And she'd sing rows that ring like bells in the night. Silver spurs splashing in the Utah moonlight. Hook beats that echo out over the hills. Songs in the stars and a memory that fills my heart. My heart, my heart, like the ring of his spurs. As I walked back, a crippled old cowboy came down to the chutes. Seventy years in his eyes, silver spurs on his boots. He said, son, that's pretty as riding I've seen in a while. As he blinked back a tear in his eye, and he choked out a smile. I rode with your dad in the roundup the day that he died. Up north, the garbage just over the Idaho side. Rolled under a young buckskin study had started to train. Slipped on a hill in the mud in the September rain. And she'd sing rounds that ring like bells in the night. Silver spurs flashing in a Utah moonlight. Hoofbeats that echo out over the hills. Songs in the stars and a memory that thrills my heart, my heart, my heart, like the ring of his spurs. The last words he whispered to me. As I knelt by his side You know, Jack, I'd give anything Just to see my boy ride These were your fathers, you've earned them And now, son, they're yours As he took from his heels Handed me these silver spurs And she'd sing rounds that ring like bells in the night Silver spurs flashing in the Utah moonlight. Hook beats that echo out over the hills. Songs in the stars and a memory that thrills my heart, my heart, my heart, like the ring of his spurs. And she sing vows that ring like bells in the night. Silver spurs flashing in the Utah moonlight. Hook beats that echo out over the hills. Songs in the stars and a dimly that thrills my heart, my heart, my heart, like the ring of his spurs, like the ring of his spurs, like the ring of his spurs. And uh, that's the Sons of San Joaquin. We're talking with Jack Hanna, who uh, got so excited he disappeared for a minute, but he's back. And so <laughs> we were talking about the fantastic program at Heart of the Horse Therapy Ranch. 
And uh, Jack, I can't tell that you're excited at all about what's going on out there. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I really just, am. You were just talking about the program for the adults and the kids, and had had mentioned briefly a little bit about the vet program. And uh, yeah, uh, that that is so cool that Gallo has donated a mansion for you guys. To yeah, be they, yeah. They gave us the mansion for a dollar a year, and uh, when we uh, as we work on that mansion to get it up to uh, snuff, uh, for every dollar that we put into it or the community puts into it, because it's the community community that pays for it, uh, they they match it. Gallo wine matches it. So Bob Gallo's a great guy. He's, uh, you know, and uh, we're thankful for his kindness and for what they have done for us. And and so we're we're looking for a tremendous addition to our, to our horse program. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it's, it, I want to I want to tell the people I want to tell the people how this how this all got started. Can I tell them? Yeah. When I was a little kid, when I was a little kid, when we moved from from Missouri to California, we we. My home was in cow country, and I, that's when the cowboys, the single cowboys, believe it or not, lived on the, the ranch in bunkhouses, and the married ones didn't have to. They, they, they had homes, and, I, and for the school where I went to, every night after school, I, I had to walk three miles home from school. We had to go by the country store, and that's where the cowboys would come in and they would gather in the store and and buy their foods and stuff like that. And they would come, they would have their shaps and their boots and their spurs and all their regalia. Then they really dressed like the the cowboy, you know, the the romantic cowboy. And you right. could hear their you could hear their shaps zip and the spurs ringing, and you could hear them stomping around with those big old boots and those guys with those ten gallon bait uh, hats. And <laughs> here I was, a little kid, and that. Absolutely overwhelmed me. I became a cowboy in my soul. That's all I ever wanted to be. And yeah. I wanted to look like them. I wanted to walk like them. And so, you know, I read every Zane Gray novel, every Max Brand, every Luke Short, every Owen Witzer. I read every every Western book you could ever get your hands on, novels and things. Then I began to read the history of the West. And that's how, see, when I had to write all this music, because Warner Brothers told us after we had made two albums, they said, you cannot sing anybody else's music. Yeah. We won't yeah. record it. You've got yeah. to do your own. And so I had to write. I'm not bragging now. It sounds like I'm bragging. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not. I had to write all the music. Mm-hmm. Hey. Wow. Wow. And you know right. what I wrote it? I wrote it out of my head. Of all yeah. that, those books I had read and all that romance that I had had with those cowboys when I was a little kid, and that's how that all happened. Well, as as Bobby said, you have been prolific uh, as a writer, and and uh, would have to compare the what you do to Bob Nolan and, and Tim Spencer, and um, uh, what a great influence that you've had on this music. And and before we get away from the heart of the Horse Therapy Ranch. Yeah. Uh, let me just quickly give our audience the website uh, address, and that is Heart of the Horses, and that's with an S, heartofthehorses.org. And, uh, yeah. and check out their website, and uh, if yeah, you'd like do. to get involved and make any kind of donations, I'm sure that you could do that from there. And um, uh, 
running a running a program like this, there's always a need for help and, and some extra funds uh, to be able to service more people. So I'm yeah, well, you depend on the good-hearted people. That, and you know, when you see that website, you're going to be overwhelmed because there's there's some really some good video of what we do on it. It just it'll, it'll really touch your heart. Well, I'm glad you went out and vetted that for that lady for her kids. Uh-huh. Hey, so look, look what's happened since then. But you know, um, you know Gary we, and Bobby, we work with the Valley Children's Hospital. That's the largest uh, children's hospital in this, in, I think, in the state of California, and it's right here, just within uh, old, uh, 15 minutes of our uh, uh, ranch. And uh, their staff, the the the, the chief. Uh, surgeon and uh, and uh, one of the top executives uh, is on our uh, is on our board. Mm-hmm. So, no, so we great. have these specialists that we that we draw on, and we go to the hospital about once or twice a month, and we take our portable corrals, and mm-hmm. we go over there and we give writing sessions for the little kids and and mm-hmm. that are that are you know, have cancer or whatever. Yeah. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, one of the important things that you said, too, it, it's it's great therapy for the uh, for the patient, whether it's the child or the adult, but it is it is so important for the family. It is. Uh, because they don't get away from uh, caring that's for right. these kids. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a day-to-day thing, and so uh, <laughs> it's got to be uplifting to them our, to our vision is to have a to have have a week's retreat we're working on that to have a week's retreat where parents can come for a week and they just retreat and recreate and we take care of their children oh that's great that they, is great that <laughs> is great that is a great program all right we've got to get a couple more songs in uh because if i don't people are going to shoot me out there yeah, I'm talking an awful lot too. Well, that's all right. We love that. That's okay. That. That's uh, amazing. <clears throat> but there's a uh, this is a song called Night Herding Song. And uh, is th- did you write this one? No, that's that's a, tr- a traditional. That's traditional. Well, I no, love you. I, I don't know if there's anybody wrote it. I don't, it's one of those songs that happened. Well, it's 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 great. You do it a cappella, and yeah. uh, and I and I've got to get this one in during the show. So let's take a quick listen to the night herding song by the Sons yeah. of the San Joaquin, and we're going to come back and talk more with Jack on the Campfire Cafe and Miss Bobby Bell as well. Oh, slow up, doggies, quit roving around. You have wandered and trampled all over the ground. Oh, graze along, doggies, and be kind of slow. And don't be forever on the go. Move slow, little doggies, move slow. I Shifting and roving around My horse is leg weary And I'm awful tired But if you get away I am sure to be fired Lay down, little 
down Stretch away out on the big open ground Snore loud, little doggies And drown the wild sounds That will all go away When the day rolls round Lay still, little doggies Lay still Lay still, little doggies Lay still Listen to you guys for hours. Thank you. And I almost and I almost did yesterday. It was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's easy to do, isn't it, yeah. Gary? It's yeah, easy to do. You. you know, we uh, sang those well, songs I, in our home. Uh, growing up, Dad had a beautiful voice. So did Mother. And Dad played the guitar, not very good. But uh, we uh, we sang Joe, Jack, and Lon. That was my dad's name, and then of course Lonnie is uh, Joe's boy. But we sang all those pioneer songs, and Stan Jones, and, and uh, the writers of the Purple Sage, and we we all we sang all the time. We sang in yeah. the fields. We sang in the car. We sang all the time. Trios. Yeah. Well, you can you can tell, and of course, being family, you guys just have a, a blend that if you're not family, I don't think that you can get. And uh, it's great. You know, we yeah. haven't talked a lot about uh, uh, we haven't talked about how important your family's faith was. We talked uh, oh, yeah. a little bit before we got on air about what an influence your dad was. But you guys have done several <clears throat> gospel uh, CDs, mm-hmm. and um, I want to get to another song here as we're starting to get down to about ten minutes left. It's called "Watch Him." Uh, yes. Demon Desert is, and again, I don't have the uh, liner notes. Is this one that you wrote? Oh yes. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about this song. Yeah, shimmering, shimmering heat waves rise and rise and silhouetted on a bleak horizon. Watch him, watch the horseman riding. No, it's not watch the horseman. It's watch God. When you as you as you go through that song, you begin to realize it's not you're not watching him. You're watching God do his miracle. Mm-hmm. See. And, yeah. and of course, man struggles. Man struggles, and he's he tries to do it on his own, but he can't do it on his own. God is the only one that can redeem us, and we have to look to Him. And the, the cowboy is crying out to the sky. Is crying. Well, mm. he's not crying to the sky. He's he's hoping that God will will somehow get water to him. And, of course, he does get the water to him. Who is the water? Jesus. Jesus says, I am the water of life, right? Right, right. I am, I am the water of life. I am the good shepherd. You know, I am the bread, but I am the water. And let's see what happens when the man uh, ingests the water of life, how he, how he surges with life and, um, and begins to cry to the heavens with praise. 
and uh, that's what happens to us when we when we really encounter our Savior, when we finally connect connect with the Almighty God. It transforms our life. It changes yeah. our focus. It it gives us meaning. Gives gives all. Hey, it uh, Gary, Bobby. It gives all of your life meaning. Everything that yeah. happens has yeah. meaning. But before that, no, it's just a disintegrated situation. And you wonder what's going to happen tomorrow. Am I can, can I trust tomorrow? You don't know whether you can or not. But when, but when you put your trust in the one that you're crying out to in that song, he leads you. He leads you to water. He leads you to sustenance. He leads you to life. Really living. That's why I call it really living. All right. Well, this is a great song. Let's take a list of that. We're going to come back and wrap up with Jack in just a moment on the Campfire Cafe. The song is "Watch Him," and we're talking with Jack Hanna, Sons of the San Joaquin. Shimmering heat waves rising, rising, silhouetted on a bleak horizon. Watch him. See the horseman a-riding. Hot sweat coursing through his dusty whiskers, sunburned face pockmarked with blisters. Watch him. Looking for a shade to hide in. Demon dancer, wicked like a Jezebel. Demon dancer, bereft of grace, your retractless waist, leading your prey to hell. Merciless heat like a furnace blasting, desolate waste, no shadows casting. Watch him Now his horse he's leading Horses down stretch out and dying Horseman kneels to the sky is crying Watch him Hear the mournful pleading Demon dares Wicked like a Jezebel Demon desert Ripped embrace your attractless waist Leading your prey to The horseman dying yet to a god of mercy crying, watch him. Heaven's windows open. Gusting winds like angels calling, dark clouds form, sweet raindrops falling, watch him. A god of mercy has Demon dead. 
desert Wicked like a Jezebel Demon desert Ripped of grace, a trackless waste Lean your prayer Up, refreshed and going, breezes play, fresh rivulets flowing. Watch him. Bright hope is a booming. Nearing home, the horse moves faster. Horseman's voice peals out with laughter. Watch him. The desert now is blooming. Demon Desert I wrote your trackless ways And I'm here to tell no demon of hell is a match For a God of grace And I'm here to tell no demon of hell is a match For a God of grace Watch him the God of grace, watch him. He's a God of grace. Ah, oh, that's that's awesome, Jack. That's an yeah, amazing song, and. Golly Moses, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to have you back again with us another time. I mean, you know, I can't I can't get enough of talking with Jack Hanna and so many stories that we haven't even touched on. Um, oh, that's a great but, experience for me too. I'm, I'm, well, I'm I'm, thank, I'm thankful that I get to say something, especially when I can bring my my Lord into it because He's the source of all of my life and yours and Bobby's, and yeah. it's, it's, you know I. I, I, I'm, I'm not a bit bashful about sharing that with people. I've been doing it all my life, and uh, thank God that I have the opportunity to to speak in His behalf and to do it through through, through songs. You know, I have a, I have an album called Songs of Faith by Jack Hanna. You can get it on the website, and it's it's uh, it, it's the Oakland Symphony backs me on most of the songs. It's all of my, I've written all the songs. Oh wow! And, uh, and so I've written a lot of gospel music. But, uh, you know, we were cowboy groups. We were a cowboy group, and so we didn't major in, in gospel songs. But, uh, you know, Paul says, whatever you do, do heartily as unto God. Whatever you do, do heartily as unto God, not as unto God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so that you live you live the life of example that, that you know, and you were talking about your dad that way. That's partly what pulls people yeah. towards you, you know, is That's that right, you walk the talk, and it's not just the talk. It's it's the walk. That's what people yeah. see. Mm-hmm. And well, here, it's, in in your it's, case, in your music and in your lifestyle, you know. Yeah, yeah. From from the heart of the horse therapy program to your music to to just your conversation and your example to people. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we appreciate you, Jack, and uh, uh, so great to have you with us today. And so that people can find the music, uh, can you give us your website? Yeah, it's it's thesuns dot com. <laughs> That's pretty <laughs> Very simple. Thesuns.com. Yeah. Thesuns.com. You know, they can listen to selections off of it so they know what they're getting. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm going to encourage you guys to do that. Go out and, and visit their website. Uh, visit them on Facebook. Uh, uh, you guys are performing anywhere together soon. I know that you're kind of slowing yeah, down yeah, we're a doing a, bit. We're doing a show here real soon up at uh, Heartland uh, in the in the Sierras. It's a heart. It's a it's a a uh, Christian uh, camp. It's a camping program. It's a it's quite sizable. And we're seeing there. Then, of course, we we we're, uh, we do a we do a Christmas show every year too. We're not singing okay. a lot, and the re- and there's a reason for that. It has to do with more of the health problems, and, right. uh, and and so we just we just can't we can't travel like we used to. Yeah. You know? Well, I'm going to encourage folks to when you can get out and see uh, Jack and Joe and Lon and the Sons of the San Joaquin, uh, wherever you can get in touch with them, but be sure and visit the sons.com and, yep. and pick up some of those great CDs that they have. And again, the heart of the horse therapy ranch is heart of the horses.org yeah, and, heart of the horses. Uh, or heart of the horses.org. So Jack, mm-hmm. thank you so much. And we look forward to talking with you again uh, maybe not too far off from now. Thank you so much, sir. I'll be delighted, Gary and Bobby. Thank you for Thank the you. opportunity to do it. I just uh, indebted to you. Well, we appreciate you, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you, Jack. All right, we have. Man, this has been a quick hour, Bobby. Oh, I know. I know. Such great music. Oh, their voices. Oh, such harmony. <laughs> Absolutely great. So Absolutely rich great. Rich and magical and and majesty in their voices is wonderful. Yeah. But uh anyway, it's been a quick hour. The Campfire Cafe is coming to a close. Always great to have you with us and uh we have another great show lined up next week. Who's going to be joining us around the campfire? Oh my goodness, you're catching me flat-footed. Oh my goodness. Uh who do we have next week, Gary? <laughs> Barry wait, wait, Ward. wait, I can tell Barry Ward will be with us next Oh, week. that's right. Oh, we have Barry Ward on August 11th, and um, he's working on a brand-new CD, and we're so delighted. I think we're going to be having some um, cuts available to be premiering on the show. We love that, don't we, yeah. that some of our guests? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've so, been kind of um, blessed to have a lot of our guests that uh, actually get us music before it's been released, and uh, whether it's a rough cut or whether it's the finished product. So, yeah. Yeah, if you know folks that are listening out there, keep that stuff coming. We we love getting brand new music before anybody else and sharing it with our audience. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, so that'll be that'll be great. We've got Barry Ward coming up with us next week. We've got uh, Robert Eversole who'll be with us for Saddle Up America, and then on the 18th we've got uh, Miss American Idol. Uh, yes. Name Rose Mitchell. That's going to be yes. here. So people remember her from American Idol, the final season. She was one of the finalists in that. So uh, she'll be with us. She's the young lady that lives in Colorado, off the grid with her family. So that's uh, that's coming up too. So a lot of and great things plays, happening. I think she plays every musical instrument known to man. <laughs> Well, if you're off the grid, what else do you have to do, Bobby? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, up there but anyway it's it's been fun today and uh and and as always we look forward to having you back again next week uh when we talk with uh barry bear ward and so that's a fun show and right now 
It's time for Saddle Up America, so we're going to say goodbye to Bobby. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be welcoming to the show our good friend, Jim McGarvey, who is the Executive Director of Backcountry Horsemen of America, and his special guest, Mr. Tom Thomas, who has actually been with us and listening to the show for the last uh, 10 minutes or 20 minutes. So uh, we look forward to having those guys on. And, Bobby, we will see you on the air next Thursday. Tell Jim howdy. Well, I will, and we'll see you then. All right. And uh, so we're going to take a listen to one more song from the Sons of the San Joaquin, and then we'll be back to talk with Jim and Tom in just a moment when you listen to Saddle Up America heard around the world at equestrianlegacy.net. See you, Bobby. See ya. Just to give me a little sign, make your shoulders step in pride. 
Tech is made possible by our great sponsors in the general store where you'll find everything for the horse lover and folks that just love the Western and equestrian lifestyle by our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches for the finest riding destinations in North America. Be sure and check out our legacy select horse campgrounds and guest ranches. And if you're looking for a home on the range or a new horse property, be sure and check out our new sponsors in our equestrian properties. All of those you can find on our website at equestrianlegacy.net. And uh, Jim McGarvey, how are you, sir? Great, Gary, and glad to be here. Thank you. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine, doing fine. And you've got a special guest that you brought along today. You want to introduce Tom to us? Yeah, Tom Thomas uh, bringing on an Easterner uh, this this month <laughs> for a bit of a change. But well, we had Sue Gray on from North Carolina, and Tom's from North Carolina too. He was um, uh, he's been on the executive committee. He's uh, was uh, just was past vice chairman of the national national vice chairman of the Backcountry Horsemen, and um, he's very active in um, uh, Smoky Mountain National Park and the Pisgah National Forest and and um the public lands up that way so tom and i have been friends for uh, well, a good number of years so uh glad to have tom on hey tom welcome to the show Hello. well thank you i i look forward to our future and uh sharing what some of our fine groups are doing in north carolina well we look forward to that you're a little bit muffled on your line are you um is this any better that's wonderful like daylight okay. and darkness. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. At my age, it's hard to strain to listen, so we won't talk about that. <laughs> By the way, guys, I, uh, mm-hmm. I know you were both on the air when we had uh, uh, Jack on, but uh, 83 years old in just a few days. Yes, and 83, still performing, and uh, when I talked with him uh, a little bit getting ready for the show this week, uh, he was just back in. He had been out horseback riding and working cattle all morning. <laughs> that's, that's why he's still the goal to look forward to. Very good. Yes. There you go. There you go. But anyway, good to have both of you guys with us, and... Um, I have no idea what we're talking about today, except we're going to be talking about some of the things happening back in here in the East. And and while it's on my mind, the National Equestrian Trails Conference was just held, what, a month and a half ago? Yeah, not uh, even yeah, that. It was just, a, well, just about, yeah, weeks. three or four weeks. And, uh, Tom, you might want to give an update. I had that family reunion that weekend and uh, couldn't make it, but uh, you were uh, right there. So was Randy. Uh, maybe give us an update there. Well, we we uh, we had a pretty good turnout, and uh, it was a uh, it's the start of something that uh, we want to grow. We had about seventy folks there, uh, including some staff. Uh, the North Carolina Horse Council was greatly involved. And we had speakers from Washington, uh, from Atlanta, talking about everything from national parks, national forests, new regulations, new saw policies coming out, uh, the tremendous need for volunteers in the national forest, uh, because from what we heard, there are no crews out there right now in national forest working. There are wow. crews in the park. 
And, uh, yeah, they have so much fire uh, out west that the focus is uh, 90% or more on fires. Right, so, uh, right. And uh, when well, a fire happens, uh, that's main priority. Right, right. Well, we just talked a little bit earlier at the early part of the uh, first hour about the fires that were going on in Santa Cruz, which is where my co-host in California lives. And, uh, of course, they've already mm-hmm. spread into the Angeles uh, National Forest out there. And this is has already been an active fire season, and uh, I'm sure it will continue to be as we go through the uh, fall months as well. But um, uh, it was re- real interesting, Tom. Uh, Robert Eversole, who he was, was there, one of the speakers, one of your speakers, was uh, he's he's on next week. He's on once a month on the show. And he was so impressed uh, with what was going on. And he said, my eyes were like opened. He said, you know, I've been involved in trail things for years. But he said, my eyes were really opened as to the uh, cooperation from the different trail users that were all kind of brought together during this event. So you guys were, Backcountry Horseman was a major sponsor of this thing, weren't they, Jim? Yeah, yeah, we've been uh, working with them. Uh, a lot of our members, so we're we're now looking for a venue uh, for uh, 2017. We'd like it to be uh, well, the Midwest or near the Mississippi, somewhere along there, and then the the following year um, out west, uh, past the 100th meridian somewhere. But um, uh, so, we'd like to do this as a rotating uh, rotating event, and so. Uh, um, and, of course, I have to mention the American Quarter Horse Association um, helped with this also in several different ways. And uh, yeah. uh, it's always good to have that, that group, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A little group like that kind of helps things yeah, move right. along, yeah. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, a quarter of a million of them, yes. Uh, that's right. That is right. That is right. Well, Tom, what's what's going on in uh, in North Carolina and back in the Great Smokies and uh, uh, here in the eastern part of the country? Because I'm in Nashville. When we have and Jim, of course, in Georgia, that's kind of a different thing for backcountry horsemen um, to have had a chairman that was back east of the Mississippi uh, and now executive director. <laughs> Uh, so we talk a lot about what's going on out in the West, but uh, it's it's a different. There are different challenges west of the Mississippi than what we face back here in the East. And so, what are the, some of the things that you guys are doing in North Carolina? Well, uh, first of all, uh, you being from Tennessee, you'll appreciate that Tennessee and North Carolina works very closely together in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Yeah, uh, Joanne Mitchell and Bobby Mitchell uh, and their crews from. Uh, Tennessee are, are a vital part of making a difference, and we'll, if I may, I'll talk about the Smokies first. Uh, the Smoky Mountains, uh, we have a, which is somewhat unique, a chainsaw window, and that chainsaw window allows us one month, the month of April normally, to go into the Smokies and clear uh, there's something around 500 miles of equestrian trails in the Smokies. And all our groups, uh, the Blue Ridge Group, uh, Robin's the president of that, Great Smoky Mountains, Mike Milner, uh, and Western North Carolina, Amanda, uh, and uh, Pisco, Rick uh, Calvert, and Big Creek, Keith, all backcountry groups, along with the Tennessee groups, uh, go in in the month of April. We all uh, have a signed trail, and we go in and pack in and 
if need be, we stay the night or two nights or whatever it takes to get uh, as many of the trails cleared as we possibly can. And uh, it's a team effort. Everything we do is a team effort. Uh, I just left the Smokies this past weekend where we're teaching a, a Leave No Trace uh, uh, instructor's course in conjunction with the Smoky Mountains and Tennessee Backcountry Horsemen. So uh, we have about we have seven groups in North Carolina, stretching from uh, sort of we call it Manio to Murphy. It'd be Croatan uh, to uh, Western North Carolina. They're the furthest group west, and uh, they. I'm just so proud of what these folks do. Uh, we probably have five, six hundred members throughout the state. Uh, oh wow! Croatan. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, it's they do an outstanding job. Well, that that is great. How how much uh, how much <clears throat> when I think about the Smokies, of course, the Great Smoky Mountain National Park is the most uh, visited park in the country. If that hasn't changed, is that correct? That is correct. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. How much how much uh, horse trail use uh, goes on in the in the Smoky Mountains? Well, a tremendous amount. Uh, it's not. Sometimes they say backcountry horsemen is the best kept secret. Smoky Mountains Equestrians is not the best kept secret. Uh, and we have uh, about, I'm trying to think, the five horse camps uh, that surround the perimeter of the Smokies or just inside. Uh, Cataloochee, uh, where the major part of the elk herd is uh, and has been, about 150 elk, uh, has a horse camp there. And it is visited. I mean, it's constantly full of equestrians, and they have a ton of riding to do. Uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but it's uh, it's some fantastic riding and some fantastic views. Along with that, we have about 34 miles of the Appalachian Trail uh, open to equestrians, and we help maintain that. Uh, oh, wow. In fact, uh, I, was, I was up there with a crew of Christine uh, Bayou and Max Gibbs, and we cleared from Tri-Corner Knob to Peck's Corner, some 25 trees. Uh, took us about six hours to get through to Peck's Corner and only two hours to get back. So you can imagine uh, the effort that was put in. Mm. Mm, but that's, mm, mm. Uh, to keep the trails open and safe for all users is, is one of our primary goals. And, of course, educating the, the public with Leave No Trace and, and what equestrians can do to help support uh, trail use and so the park and national forest don't get loved to death. Uh, that's what we're all about. Yeah, yeah. How did uh, Tom? How did you get involved with Backcountry Horsemen? Well, uh, several years ago, uh, I was in a, a local group called the Pisca Trailblazers uh, because the equestrians, uh, the the head ranger at the time, uh, told us that the trails were. Uh, not in good shape. He did not have official trail crews to go out and work on them. And if we didn't have equestrian groups involved, we could lose trails. Uh, and we'd lost some before that, uh, and that was very disappointing. Uh, but once we got the message, uh, we formed a local group, and uh, it was sustained uh, for quite a while, and it's still working in uh, one of our state forests. Uh, DuPont State Forest, which has gotten national 
recognition for the waterfalls and being in the Last of the Mohicans movie and several other movies. Yeah. Uh, And equestrian riding in in that area is still alive and well. Uh, And Pisgah Trailblazers really don't work in the Pisgah anymore. Uh, They work in DuPont Forest. Uh, And because of that, we formed the Backcountry Horsemen of Pisgah in 1992. And we have been going strong ever since. We had two groups, three groups at that time, and now we've grown to seven. Uh, from Croatan, which is any further east than you Croatan, and you'll be in the Atlantic Ocean. And then we have, uh, <laughs> uh, well, we have seahorses then, you know. Is what you oh, heard. yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. We got Yawari, which is uh, near Charlotte, about an hour and a half from Charlotte. And then Blue Ridge. Uh, which works in the uh, grandfather district and on a on an area known as uh, Alta. Uh, um, the name just left me, but uh, they actually lease the land from the North Carolina State University, and they have a equestrian riding there and, a, and just beautiful trails, and it joins the Pisgah National Forest. The Appalachian District, I mean the Grandfather District. And then we have Great Smoky Mountains, which is actually our mother group. Uh, a lot of groups were actually formed out of Great Smoky Mountains years ago. And uh, Great Smoky Mountains has been around for over 20 years, uh, closer to 30. And uh, that was the first group formed in North Carolina. And they, they're and it takes all of us to, to do the Smokies and maintain areas in Pisgah right. National Forest. Right. You know, Tom uh, and, and Gary, that uh, North Carolina was the first uh, backcountry horseman state east of the Mississippi, uh, probably east of the Rockies. And so uh, that some decades ago, as Tom mentioned, yeah. I was just, I was just, that was a question that was on my mind, uh, Jim. And so you just answered that. I was going to ask what the first eastern state was, and I don't know why I thought it might have been North Carolina. But uh, a lot of great riding, a lot of uh, you know, in the in that part of the uh, country, you know, through the Carolinas and Tennessee, and uh, yeah, a couple of the trails going out of there are pretty. Um, I know I haven't been been more on the Tennessee side riding, but if you go out of Cades Cove, which is like the popular spot really uh, on on that side of the park. But if you go out, I can't get a trail right offhand, but uh, straight back out of there, you climb about 4,000 feet pretty fast. And there's a lot of rock ledges. Wow. You know, and uh, it's uh, it's a bit slippery up there. Uh, of course, it's great to see all the waterfalls. And, uh, you know, it, when we had our, uh, our crowdfunding um, campaign for uh, Backcountry Horse, and one of the, one of the gifts um, – it, it would be a ride with the chairman and his wife, uh, who happened to be with Cindy there at the time. And so, uh, <laughs> not that Cindy, my wife at the time, she was the chairman's wife at the time. <laughs> I I say that one. But um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so, but uh, uh, two women um, uh, came from uh, Nevada and they said they wanted to see uh, green trees, they wanted to see green and waterfalls. And so, right, they showed right. plenty of that. And uh, they had a great fun weekend up there, and and uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of horse camps. Uh, again, speaking on the outside from the Tennessee side, um, that they're private camps that you can really ride right into the park, and um, so it's a good um, 
Uh, well, everybody knows the Smokies are. But I tell you that while there are a lot of horse equestrian riders, and, and you get on the Appalachian Trail in the summer, there's a lot of hikers. But mm-hmm. you don't have to go, but and it's the same with the Yellowstone and, of course, Yosemite. They have all the cars. Once you go about 100 yards in or even 50 yards in, you're like in a different world, you know, once you get off the road. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, it's not uh, the traffic and the population that you find just No, it gets quiet and it's a different yeah. place. Yeah, it doesn't take very long to, to get to that point either. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've, I've never ridden back up there. For some reason, I've, I've ridden as far east as the Big South Fork. And, uh, of course, that's a pretty good place to stop to ride. But I've never ridden yeah. further east back there. So um, I guess I'll have to put that on my bucket list. I've got places yeah, well, out in the west that's on there. We, we would love to have you, Gary. No, no question about it. And we'll get you a guided service because – like Jim was saying, we in the Smokies we got Big Creek, uh, that's a Smoky Mountain Forest Camp, Catalucci, uh We have uh, uh, T- Townsend has uh, horse uh, camping and riding out of Townsend, Tennessee, and uh, we have Round Bottoms, uh, and uh, I'm trying to think of the rest of them. There's uh, uh, Fontana has an area of horse camps, and you can ride out of there. A lot of packing. You can go into the Smokies for three, four days at a time, and uh, fly fishing. Uh, between the Smoky Mountains National Park and Pisgah National Forest, we've actually got what we call the Shangri-La of the South for equestrians. Wow. And most, wow. most people that ride here go back understanding why we call it that. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to experience that. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I've done day rides back into parts in the uh, – in the state, but I've, I've never gone back in and, uh, uh, stayed two or three days. Just to don't even think about it. I, you think about it out West, but I don't think about it that much back here in the East. So missing something. Well, well one of the things I wanted to mention is, uh, the Appalachian trail conservancy has a group called the Rocky top group that goes in for about a month and a half onto the, uh, Appalachian trail and works trail. It does everything from breaking rock uh, to putting in water bars and rolling grade dips and reverse grades and improving that part of the trail. And backcountry horsemen of North Carolina and Tennessee all band together to bring all their equipment all the way up. It's about a 2,500-foot gain, and uh, we bring all their equipment in and help them set up their, their base camp. And then for the next month and a half, we go in every two weeks and supply them with food and materials, or if they have a tool that's broken, we replace it. And then finally, at the end of October, we go back and get all the gear together and pack them back out. Oh, that's great. That is great. You know, it's interesting. I saw something, talking about the Appalachian Trail, and again, I don't think about horseback riding on the Appalachian Trail, but you said there was, what, about 34 miles uh, of horse trails From there? Next corner. That is correct. From Pex Corner to Davenport Gap is all open to equestrian use, and we maintain it. Well, that's great. That's great. I saw a little clip on the, uh, I don't know, it was the news or something, and there was a young lady that was paralyzed from the waist down, Uh and she was hiking the Appalachian Trail. She was going to do the entire trail. So, you know, how how does somebody that's paralyzed from the waist down hike that trail but they had built hydraulics uh that attach from just above the knee 
down on each leg, and she was she used those hydraulics to to hike that thing. That's amazing. It there is amazing. Some amazing folks. We had yeah. we had several of our members uh, that were paralyzed from the hip down that actually used the horses as their service animal, uh, and it opened up the world to them. Uh, mm-hmm. They had special saddle uh, rigged up for them, and they would get in that saddle and they'd ride with the best of us. Yeah, well, that's great. <laughs> that is great. Well, for, for us, for us old folks that can't hike quite like we used to when we were younger, it's great to have a horse to be able to get on and let them do the hiking for us. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The, the trail we go up to the one of the trails. Well, everything that goes to the Appalachian Trail goes uphill <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, uh, because it's not perfectly on the ridge top, but the views are absolutely spectacular. A place in the east you can see as far as you can see, and you can't see any buildings. It's uh, pretty spectacular. Oh wow. Wow. Well, Jim, let me kind of turn things over to you because, uh, again, we didn't do any kind of pre-show uh, conversation right. about this. So you you may have had some things uh, on your mind you want to talk about that I'm not. Well, a couple of things. Let uh, me touch a little bit on. Uh, we got yeah, we got some backcountry issues, but a couple of things on the uh, Smoky Mountain National Park. I I just went to the website here while we we're talking, and and there's an alert there uh, for increased bear activity. Which is one of the one of the thrills you have, uh, even in your car driving around as the bears. And this mm-hmm. time of year, I think, uh, you know, it's not close enough yet to winter for hibernation, but they start working on it. And uh, so um, that's out there. And I think another interesting thing about um, Smoky Mountain National Park, um, they it's on the World Heritage Site as one of the, it's one of the World Heritage Sites because of all the species there. Right. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, not far from. Um, if you go down to um, Aldous Park and on down a little further, about 100 miles, is the most biologically diverse place in North America, uh, which is near the Cahuta Wilderness and up into Tennessee. It just kind of crosses the state lines. But So the species is quite um, quite important, everything from you know, the, the snails and all, all the way to the bears. But uh, So it's special there. But also they, they do something that, that uh, uh, Tom t- uh, mentioned was uh, they have um, – the chainsaw window and Smoky Mountain Park uh, treats the park like it's a wild- under the wilderness rules. Okay. Like the car is going in, but once you get into the to the back country or off the road, that's it's treated as a wilderness, and so it's you just can't go in all all year long with chainsaws and, and different things like that. And so um, uh, that's interesting, and it probably is a something that some of the other parks could think about anyway, because uh, that window. You know, there's with the snow. Well, we have all kind, of course, every kind of weather down the southeast. And when you get to the high mountains, you get the snow with it. And so that's it's um, uh, it's an opportunity. I think Tom, I'd like you to uh, maybe touch on um, where you where you had the accident last year with one of our people and the ramifications that had. You know, with the park uh, and okay. changing their safety uh, rules. We were what happened. Uh, well, it was yeah, a year ago. Uh, was in November. We were actually uh, packing out the uh, Rocky Top crew, and one of our riders uh, had a bad spill, and his horse uh, was, well, bolted, basically. Uh, Another pack horse, uh, pack mule, got loose and hit him broadside, and he went down, uh, Mm -hmm. breaking seven, seven ribs in his back, and he was... 
basically there for the time. And one of the other riders came down and told us about it. And by that time, the park had heard about it. And we uh, we got our I got my mule and the other two walking horses back out of the trailer, and they had a paramedic there. Uh, we saddled up. I was packing two pack animals at the time, so I borrowed a saddle from uh, one of my other backcountry horseman folks, and we put her medical bag and sleeping bag and materials we needed uh, to go back on the mule, and we headed back up the mountain. We got to him where the incident occurred and realized there was no way he was coming out of there that night. Uh, so we ended up uh, setting wind breaks and uh, get a fire going. And uh, I can't remember the paramedic's name. It's a little gal, uh, super professional. Uh, you couldn't have wanted a better uh, medical person with you in a situation like that. Uh, she was in radio communication with a doctor and got what he needed to get on board so he could uh, start to relax and not be in so much pain. Uh, and we spent the 24 hours out in backcountry with him and got him as comfortable as possible. And then we uh, we moved out as the, I believe it was the Tennessee uh, Highway Patrol brought a helicopter in and actually lowered a Stokes basket on a cable and took him out by helicopter and cable. Uh, because of that, we had a year uh, that was a stand down because they do extensive uh, research on how the incident happened, what could have been put in place to avoid it. And if you're dealing with thousand pound animals, wrecks happen. Uh, right. And uh, we try to prepare to be self rescue, but in this case, uh, with seven broken ribs, uh, we weren't sure, you know, if we moved him, if he could have a lung puncture and that type of thing. So the best thing was to stand the ground there and, and wait it out. But after the year uh, of stand down, uh, we started, uh, we looked at new regulations. One is, uh, and the park is doing this. They have a, a pack crew in the park. Uh, and I think they have two of them actually. Uh, and they wear riding helmets. So it is now required that uh, we wear riding helmets as we go in. And, that that took a little uh, fire out of some of our folks because we have a bunch of traditional folks and they wore the Stetson for since day one, you know. Right, uh, right. But but they all came back together and uh, uh, put on the helmets and went in. And after it was all over, they actually asked to buy the helmets, which is they were provided by the, uh, the park itself. And uh, so they were they're going the extra mile for us. And we now all the folks carry radios and there's been some really good things that have come out of this as far as safety is concerned and it, it made it very clear that the park was more interested in our safety and well-being than anything else that was happening in the park and that made us all feel pretty good about what we were doing in the park and yeah. uh it's uh so this we went and packed the uh smoke last year the rock top group and we bring mulch into the, the SSCs, the uh, pet toilets, so they can have something covered up so disease is not transferred. And uh, it's we've had a very safe year. We had 20 years of safety before that, uh, and I must mention that, with no incidences. And uh, But when, you know, if you're working in a national park and someone gets hurt, they 
they turn over every rock and every angle to find out what can be done to improve the situation and avoid that happening in the future. And you got to give them credit for that. Uh, Christine Hoyer is our wilderness uh, supervisor with the park, and she's done a tremendous, tremendous job with that and works very closely with us. She understands the heritage and history of uh, pack use in the park, and she knows the park wouldn't be there uh, without the, the mules and horses uh, and, and pack strings that uh, historically made it all possible. Yeah, well, that is great. That's great. Well, you, you know, accidents are going to happen. And, again, if you're dealing with animals, uh, horses, you know, things do happen. But it's it's uh, it's great that there were some additional safety measures that were uh, incorporated to go along with that. So um, that's, that's pretty cool. Jim, you've got uh, – you were talking about some other issues that were – Taking place well, yeah, right just now. some of the things. You know, Congress is um, not in session. Uh, they won't be until right. after uh, Labor Day. And then it's only for one month, and it's back to politicking uh, for the, the general election. But um, I did have a couple things. So our National Trails Bill is, is still where we're at when Ben Pendergrass, American Horse Council, was on last month. You know, sitting right. on a desk somewhere in D.C., but we'll see how that develops when the things get back. Uh, they still have appropriations due, which takes you know front and center. But um, but on the a couple of different things are happening. I talked to um, I had the opportunity this past week to uh, spend uh, over you know, more than 45 minutes anyway with a U.S. congressman, and uh, you know, just kind of a meeting of the ways there. And um, so the congressman is Republican, um, conservative, not off the charts, but just conservative. So he's kind of a good sampling of. What is the GOP or the conservatives think about the, the federal lands transfer or selling federal land that we've talked about here on the show? Yeah, yeah. And so I just kind of asked him, uh, you know, what do you think? And um, and he he was fairly conversant on it. Uh, and he said that um, he was for it. You know, it's kind of a, a Republican or conservative idea to have smaller federal government, local control. You know, it all fits in that argument. I told him that a backcountry horseman is about 50-50 um, Democrats, Republicans, or liberals and conservatives in the membership, something like that. I'm not for sure. Just got that put my finger in the wind, wet finger in the wind to see. But um, but they were all nearly all against transfer federal lands. And he said that uh, one example that, that he saw is he's got some of his – some of the counties in his district are virtually all national forest. And so mm-hmm. the county seat – and maybe a couple small towns or, you know, a private land or local government land type of thing. And he says that they don't have a tax base um, for the schools. And there is a, a, a thing called a PILT uh, fund, but it's really small uh, since, since logging is, is not in the picture anymore. Um, and um, so it really doesn't cover it. And so he says those towns have to have higher um, property taxes and therefore – um, you know, runs off businesses and people, and you know. So he made the argument there versus sort of the traditional. Well, we got to have a smaller government. He was talking about just his his um, uh, his constituents, which I thought was an, an interesting thing. I told him we were all still against it, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> so, but the the new thing coming up um, that's just came on the radar, and I don't think we've talked about it on the show. It's um, it's a Senate bill uh, put together by. Uh, the two uh, Utah senators, Orrin Hatch and, and Lee, uh, it's called um, 
It's Senate Bill uh, 3205, the Human Powered Travel and Wilderness Act, which essentially is, is mountain bikes in the wilderness. And the Wilderness Act of 1964 doesn't allow uh, mountain bikes. Um, no mechanical, um, no mechanical transportation in, inside, except for exceptions uh, that have to be granted. Uh, I mean, a wheelbarrow can be there, but um, and chainsaws under very rare circumstances. It's hardly ever granted. But so what they're, what, what's happened here, it's kind of interesting. Uh, IMBA, the International Mountain Biking Association, uh, does not push for bikes in the wilderness. Uh, but what happens is this wilderness, uh, areas that are treated like a wilderness. Uh, so you might have in Montana uh, the Bob Marshall Wilderness. Next right. to it is, is a, um, uh, the Clearwater National Forest, which – the only thing difference in a lot of it is just somebody's imaginary, you know, a mark on a map that right, you're now in the right. wilderness and now you're not. But so they treat some of these areas that are next to wildernesses like there are wildernesses, uh, designated wildernesses, and and uh, so the rules apply because Congress might one day say this is a wilderness, and so they want to be ready for it. And what that does is so mountain bikes are on the trails, and then when this becomes a designated wilderness, they're not on the trails. They're not allowed in, and so. There was a splinter group called Sustained Trails Coalition. There's a lot of facts here, but probably talk about this more as this goes along. Sustained Trails Coalition, sort of a break-off group from International Mountain Biking Association that's been pushing this, and um, human-powered travel. And I would say the backcountry horsemen are, are against it. Uh, the Wilderness Society, the American Hiking Society, and, and that are against it. They want to keep the Wilderness Act the same because, and not changed, because it could be the slippery slope. Um, the uh, mountain bike people is a curious argument on, on one thing and maybe never thought about, but uh, the gearing on a bike, what it really does, it, 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 the gear ratios enhance the horsepower really of the person that's pedaling mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so that you really maximize your speed and, and climb of the hill because of the gear ratios. You can't do it in, in fourth gear, one-to-one gear. You can't go up a mountain. You know, it's just, well, you know, that type of thing. So that their argument is it just accentuates human power and the comparison is to a fishing rod mm-hmm. um, you know it's geared too to you know, accelerate or enhance the flip of the wrist or the swing of the arm and and, uh, and send the bait uh, further on out uh, and that's the, then you can with a bamboo pole <laughs> let's say so uh, uh, but it's uh, we're quite a bit against it. We don't think it's going to go anywhere. It was put in late in the session. Uh, I don't think it's got any co-sponsors, but we're keeping an eye on it. And um, Randy Rasmussen, uh, our wilderness guy, a public lands fellow, is going. Has been on your your show a lot. Um, right. We're probably going to D.C. in in September, along with folks in the Wilderness Society and and other groups, to go to Capitol Hill to kind of talk to folks about this um we don't think it's going to get any legs but um as the pun might be but anyway that's that's uh kind of thing that's on the radar right now (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh well it's you know it's interesting it's you know every group uh has their own interest in um mind when they're trying to to expand their uh usage of uh federal land so you can't blame them for that i mean you know the no, first I don't. thing i don't i don't know 
No. Yeah, you know, so as far as opening the door to some other things that might come down the road, that could certainly do that. And um, <clears throat> I know that when I'm out riding, uh, hikers can have been an issue sometimes for people on horseback, but bicycles yes. are probably, bikes are probably a whole lot worse. They are, you know, with the hikers, when they carry the big uh, backpacks that are up over their head by about 12 inches, yeah. you know, they, they kind of look like a monster. You know, right. and uh, um, so they need to kind of. I think that a lot of them that, that do hike the horse trails are you know, learn now. Uh, the problem, you know, we have user conflict uh, right now. It's just verbal, but anyway, of, of um, there's a lot of YouTubes on this too. With um, the mountain bikers, uh, you know, have earplugs in and listen to music, and then looking ten feet ahead on the trail, looking for roots and rocks. You know, mm-hmm. it's going mm-hmm. pretty good high speed, and the further west you get, the higher the speed. And uh, so it's um, it's it's we our Oregon folks, uh, Phil Huffsetter, who you've had on the show, they've they're cataloging all the all the crashes, both on the streets and in the public lands uh, and the yeah. woods. And yeah. it's an enormous yeah. number. Um, yeah. Uh, but um, but anyway, you're right. Everybody's you know, it's their point. Our our own. Each and everybody's own point of view, and um, so um, it wouldn't be that yeah, interesting just, of a world if we all d- danced the same drummer anyway. But no, I mean, wouldn't politics be interesting <laughs> if everybody was on the same page? Well, yeah, geez. Not that we wouldn't no, have to politics. We have to worry about that happening. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Tom. <laughs> no. I, I Never. So. Yeah. We may, we may have to do a Rush Limbaugh type show or something sometime and talk about there politics, Jim. I don't know. It would but, buy, uh, yeah. Yeah, or or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather yeah, talk I about know. trails. I'd rather talk about <laughs> trails. But uh, yeah. uh, anyway, well, always always interesting things going on. People need to be aware of what's uh, what's happening out there and um, uh, trail use and trail safety is you know it's just really important and, and participating as well. Um, uh, Tom, I'm pretty impressed that you've got as many members uh, in North Carolina with Backcountry Horsemen. I mean, 500 plus is a, that's a lot of folks. Well, it's a uh, it, it's a growing process. One of our our goals is you know develop more groups and uh, uh, bring more people into the fold, especially young people. Uh, a couple of things I wanted to mention, going along with what Jim was talking about. Uh, and this is just a reverse. This is on equestrian. Uh, the Pisca group has been working on a, a horse camp called Wolf Ford Horse Camp. Uh, our uh, Smoky Mountain group actually has a contract to maintain and, and the Harmon Den Horse Camp, uh, which is in the Appalachian District. And in the past, Western North Carolina, when the government shut down, actually took on Toastring and Smokies and maintained it so it would not get shut down. Uh, but one of the the reason I mention that is the Wolf Ford Horse Camp, which we've been working on for about 15 years, is a slow process. Uh, all the groups had a say in how it was getting developed, the backcountry horsemen groups and some outside groups. But we just recently uh, had big discussions with the National Forest, and we were asking them, why uh, it is that everybody can go into a horse camp, but a horse uh, person with horses can't go into uh, group camping areas 
or AV, I mean, RV area, right, tent right. camping. Right. Uh, and they said, well, uh, they actually told us that that didn't sound fair and equitable. And I'm sitting there going, absolutely, it's not fair and equitable. Uh, and so our district, and it might be the first district that has done this, uh, has put up signs in the horse camp that says, horse trailer camping only. And because it is the only place in Pisgah that you can go uh, legally and park your trailer and camp. Uh, we oh, have wow. one other one that's a group camp, but anybody can go into the group camp. Uh, and they said, well, we won't let you in the Davidson River or, or the North Mills River or, or in our community camps. So this is the only place you have to go. The least we can do is have enforcement signs put up so people realize that this is a horse camp and it's for horse trailer camping only. Uh, right. And as far as I know, that may be the first one in the United States. If not, there are very few. Uh, and our district is doing the first planning partnerships with the community on uh, a lot of uh, issues in national forests. And we're hoping this, uh, this fair and equitable act uh, is carried through throughout the nation. Well, that's great. That is great. I mean, it's, you know, you plan your, plan your trip and you get to the campground and it's full of RVs and no horses, uh, no room for years. That's, that's great. That is great. Any, any kind of, uh, uh, this is a little bit off track a little bit and we're going to have to wrap up pretty soon because we're running out of time, but, um, there are some trails that they're trying to make run from, uh, city to city through the national forest, different forests and, and, uh, complete some trails to encourage more horse use. Anything like that going on in the Carolinas? I know they we, have in Kentucky. They've, I forgot what they call it, um, um, but mm-hmm. they've got some programs like that going on in Kentucky right now. The only one I know of, well, we have a two. We have a Rails to Trails in Rutherford County, but it doesn't go throughout the state, but it is a Rails to Trail, which includes equestrians. We have one here that they're trying to uh, do from Bavard to Hendersonville, and that rails to trail is supposed to include equestrians. But right now, uh, one of the county's uh, Transmania County commissioners are uh, not too up on it, and uh, they're well. They're bottom line is they're opposed to it. Hendersonville mm-hmm. is very much in favor of it. Uh, they're thinking the rail may at some time be used again for. Uh, train transport of some industry, uh, but it, the Southern Railroad does not own it anymore. They've already sold it, sold it to a, another group, and they're getting ready to resell it again. So uh, I don't know how practical that is, but uh, that's the only things I've heard of. Uh, the big thing we're working on in North Carolina is to get the Wildlife Commission, and we do have a trail that will be put on state wildlife lands. Uh, we're working with them in conjunction as a partnership uh, because right now it's a hunting season. Equestrians cannot be on property owned by the Wildlife Commission of the state. But right. You can ride. You can ride 24/7 in the national forest, which is usually maintained by the Wildlife Commission. All right. So uh, we're trying to get that that changed, and and we're making some progress. We just it's slow, but it's moving forward. Yeah. 
Well, it's always, I mean, it's always a challenge, you know, during hunting seasons to be able to have access to some trails. And, and uh, you know, obviously a lot of that has to do with safety. Um, the other has to do with not disturbing game, I guess. But uh, I guess we all need our seasons oh, to yeah. do what, yeah, what we need to do. But uh, uh, it's kind of interesting. Well, we we are running out of time. Any any uh, Tom, any final thoughts that you want to share with uh, with our listeners out there? Well, uh, I will tell them that uh, we believe, and together we make a difference, and. Uh, Backcountry Horsemen of North Carolina uh, has seven chapters throughout the state. We would love people that are interested in keeping trails open for equestrians and all other users uh, that would like to come on board to do so. We have uh, Facebook uh, sites and websites uh, that we can be contacted by, as well as Backcountry Horsemen of America, of course. And I want to thank each and every one of our members for phenomenal effort and great jobs they're doing uh, day in and day out throughout North Carolina. All right. So they, and what what's your what is your website? Uh it's uh bchnorthcarolina.org. Okay, bchnorthcarolina.org to connect with their website. And I guess Jim they can connect from uh BCHA's website. With a different state? Uh, not directly. I, you can, if you go through some steps, uh, you, yeah, you type in um, your zip code. And Do a search. It does a search for you? Yeah, okay. if you want to join, it'll, it'll show, uh, uh, put in a 200-mile radius or 50-mile radius, and uh, it'll tell you which is the closest uh, chapters uh, for you okay. to join and how to do that. All right. And, and in about uh, uh, three minutes, any final thoughts that you want to share, Jim? No, I, I think um, glad to have Tom on. It's a, um, like you say, they have a great working organization up there, and it's important to us uh, that the great, um, you know, the iconic parks, uh, Yellowstone, Yosemite, and um, and Glacier, and and um, Grand Canyon, and and Great Smoky Mountain, that we keep the trails open, uh, because when one of those falls with the trails and the horses. Uh, it's it's you know it's a big domino effect and so really we're, I think the park well, I know the park appreciates the work backcountry people do and uh, and when when Smoky Mountain says something a lot of people listen so we're doing good work up there it's one of the the beacon national parks for us to keep yeah. keep on the right side yeah you know I think a lot of folks probably a lot of folks back here in the east realize that the Great Smoky Mountains is the most visited national park in in the system in the country but yeah, uh, yeah. but I, I don't think i don't think a lot of people out west realize that you know um but it is a great park it's a beautiful park yeah. and i think the numbers that i saw at one time said that 80 percent of the country was within a day's drive yeah uh, it's a, yeah within a day's drive exactly yeah i think i think it's 73 or some kind of number 73 percent but yeah yeah it's so it, yeah. it's um <clears throat> It's it's where you go with your kids if you want to go to a national park, really, you know, and and uh, yeah. take them to a national park. And, uh, yeah. So, so for, forget the traffic in Pigeon Forge, Dollywood, Dollywood, Gatlinburg. I mean, go visit them, but don't worry about that. When you get back into the park, it's like being back out in God's country. So yeah, uh, be sure and do that. So bcha dot org is that the website i know we've got different ways to get there bca bca.org or 
backcountryhorse.org. Yeah, .org. Okay. Yep. Okay. And uh, get involved with the Backcountry Horsemen and, and the, the, the so much great work that they're doing to keep trails open for all uh, horse people out there. And uh, we don't need to lose our riding areas. We need to be able to maintain and expand that and uh, have something for our kids and grandkids to get out and enjoy as well. And so Backcountry Horsemen does a great job, and, and obviously they're doing a great job in North Carolina. And, uh, Tom, I appreciate you being with us, and thanks for partnering so well with uh, with us Tennessee folks. That's a good thing. Well, we appreciate you and, and your radio. And uh, remember, you have a, a special invitation to join us in the Smokies or in Pisgah National Forest. Uh, we'd love to have you, Gary. Well, I appreciate that, and I will not forget that. And by the way, Jim McGarvey, uh, yes. happy anniversary! Happy anniversary! Um, today, today begins the fourth year that yeah. Backcountry Horseman has been part of uh, our program. Ah, Four, okay, starting well, the fourth year. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. It's uh, something popped up today and said, you know, this is the first edition, and that was back in 2013, uh, August <laughs> August the third, 2013. And I said, yeah. well, this is beginning our fourth year then today. So, well, good deal. Okay, yeah. it's fun uh, every month. Yeah, I really enjoy it, yeah. and um, I'll um, uh, see who I have on next month. I know of getting uh, Smoke Elser has gotten. Um, uh, they have some interesting issues just in Montana, and he's good to speak about everything. And so maybe we can work on getting smoke on the show yeah. next month or so. Yeah. And, uh, that, that'd be fun. All, all right. right, but we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. And and again, Tom, thank you for being with us. Uh, Tom Thomas, who is the president of the BCHA North Carolina uh, uh, State, and then of course our good friend Jim McGarvey with the Backcountry Horseman National Organization, who is the executive director. And, uh, Jim, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. you. Thank you, Gary. See you, Tom. Thank you. All right. And uh, this has been so much fun again today. It's always great to have uh, folks with Backcountry Horsemen on. Golly, this time has passed so quickly. Three years, we've just ended starting our fourth year. Uh, enjoying our relationship with them. And, uh, of course, so much fun having Jack Hanna on earlier today. So, uh, anyway, don't forget to join us next Thursday, beginning at noon for the Campfire Cafe, followed by Saddle Up America that begins at 1. All of that is Central Time. And then on Sundays at 9 o'clock, it's Blessed Trails with Belinda Gale, and just a great way to start the week. So, again, thank you for being with us. And uh, as always, we remind you, if you climb in the saddle, get ready for the ride on Equestrian Legacy Radio, heard around the world, online at equestrianlegacy.net. Thanks for listening. I'd like to do an old... uh um, um, Smiley Burnett. Yeah, thank you. Smiley Burnett tune that Gene Autry made popular, Riding Down the Canyon. Well, I'll saddle 
watch that desert sun go down Riding down the canyon to watch the sun go down A picture that no artist there could paint White-faced cattle on the mountainside I hear a coyote whining for its mate Cactus plants are Party's happy hour isn't your average happy hour. From 2 to 5 p.m., double sliders are only a buck 25. Call it a charbroiled hour, a double beef hour, a whole lot of melty cheese hour. Call it what you want. Happy hour at Hardy's is a good call. Offer for a limited time at only between 2 and 5 p.m. Price of participation may vary. Tax not included. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? An energy company helping cars emit less. Making cars lighter is a good place to start. Advanced oils for those hardworking parts. Fuels that go further so drivers pump less. At ExxonMobil, it's what we do best. Efficiency is our driving ambition. It's full speed ahead to produce fewer emissions. Explore more about unexpected energy sources at energyfactor.com. Energy lives here.